The Chet Kalvik Podcast Network. He's a Chicago sports broadcasting legend. The other has spent a lifetime walking into Las Vegas casinos and taking your money. Check Copic. Harvard Hallis Barnhard. This is Vegas Uncensored. Vegas Uncovered. How you doing, everybody? Copic in Chicago, joined by the Vegas legend, the pride and joy of Las Vegas Boulevard, Harvard Hallis Barnhart. Brought to you by the marvelous people of Jiffy Lube. Hey, Harvard, uh, I find this very intriguing. No, you're fully aware of it. 60% of college football's all-time winningest ball clubs out of the top 20. We're talking about Oklahoma, Nebraska, Pete Carroll in USC, Michigan, Notre Dame, Florida State, Georgia, and Miami. In a word, and, throw, friend, and Tennessee. Throw in and those Tennessee. Too. In a word, I am stunned. Well, you should be. And let me tell you why it's significant to realize that. When these guys, and let's call them the Las Vegas odds makers, uh, that's Kenny White, does a great job making the lines for every casino in the uh, country, actually, uh, offshore or in Vegas. Uh, everybody uses them. The reason I mention it is because the odds makers know what is in your mind, Chet. They know what your program. Mm-hmm. They know if Nebraska is playing Kansas State like they are this week, you're going to think Nebraska, that's a powerhouse. If Oklahoma was playing Colorado, you're going to think Oklahoma, those guys should kill them because they've been killing them for years and years and years. Look at the old Ohio State-Michigan game. That thing is barely even has a, a, a the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel for that type of rivalry is almost extinct. I mean, it's ready to get put out. Uh, it's only a rivalry in name, but as far as a game, it, it means nothing. Uh, USC, they pretty much have done a good job the last few years, but there's some other teams like the Florida States, uh, Georgia, uh, Miami from the old days, Tennessee, I can't remember the last time uh, they've actually performed, but what we're saying is since 1961, this is the first time these nine teams have not been in the AP top 20. Now, when the odds makers makes the line, let's say like Nebraska's playing Kansas State, what they do is they use our deep founded perceptions and they kind of put themselves in the average person's shoes mm-hmm. and says, what can we make this line to where we can get equal betting? So they might think, well, everybody thinks that Nebraska is a very strong powerhouse team still because our brains have been taught to think that way. We all know that Kansas State has sucked for the last 50 years. So let's make Nebraska favored by 13. Well, when we see a line like 13, we're not too uh, taken aback by that, and we might go ahead and lay it if we're the average guy. Well, actually, on this week's line, Nebraska happens to be playing Kansas State, and they made Nebraska 16. So they made it even stronger. Let me tell you something. Kansas State's no slouch. And Nebraska's not what they've been for the last 50 years. The same thing with Michigan. Look at Notre Dame, your uh, golden uh, helmet dudes over there. Uh, they suck. They haven't done anything this year. They're ranked, I think, 76 in defense. And the five games that they've won, if I think they've won four or five, uh, they've beaten all teams that have had worse defenses than them. So that means from number 77 through 120th in defenses. Well, they're not the Notre Dames that we grew up with of yesteryear. Uh, these are not your Bo Schimbacher's, uh 
you know, Michigan State team and, and things like that. Woody Hayes would be turning over if he saw the softest that Trussell has been playing with Ohio State. So this is what the perception is being used by the Las Vegas odds makers when they come up with the line. So you have to be aware to get rid of those 50-year-old preconceived conceptions of these strong teams. Hey, Harvard, I want to go back to uh, Kenny White for a moment. Could we build a case that uh, in a very quiet, very roundabout way, that once you get past CBS, NBC, ABC, ESPN, Fox, the so-called television people, that in his own way, Kenny White might be the most unique individual in all of college football because he is influencing games from coast to coast. Well, more than that, and, and you're right, than he's that, influencing he is, games. He is preying on the, on the conviction Kopik has that Tom Osborne and Nebraska beat anybody. And, of course, Osborne hasn't been there for years, but that's my perception is Osborne and Nebraska always beat Kansas State. That's exactly right. And you know what? I would love to be in his office when him and his four guys uh, are setting the lines. They've got to be laughing their asses off because what they do, it's kind of like a roundtable discussion. There's five guys in there, and they sit around, and they're throwing out numbers. And they're thinking, all right, Nebraska sucks, Kansas State doesn't. What can we make the line? Someone says, how about Nebraska 17? <laughs> and they must be laughing because they're thinking everybody is remembering just like you were when you were uh, 20, 30, 40 years old of Tom Osborne, the black shirts, the great Absolutely. defenses, the run and gun, the fact that you could not go into Lincoln and come out with a W. Look who did it, what, three weeks ago? Uh, they were totally embarrassed in Nebraska, you know, getting run over like that. And there used to be times that nobody would go into your home field. Look at Navy going in and beating Notre Dame. You're not supposed to be able to do that. Hey, Hollis, for example, Notre Dame hold this home this week against UConn. Now, Notre Dame is a very pedestrian 6-4. and four. You take away Jimmy Clausen. They're not even an average football team. They're a below-average football team. I mean, they can jump up and down. They can boast all they want about their great recruiting classes. As you mentioned right now, they are they are a listless football team. They're up against a UConn ball club, and I know the old-time Notre Dameers are absolutely convinced that UConn cannot play a ball game. Well, check UConn's numbers. They're 5-6, and six, but their six losses are by a grand total of 15 points. I, yeah, like I was going to say about 14 or 15 I points. like UConn to win this ballgame straight up. I think they will. You know, they had some uh, when their uh, star defender, uh, defensive back, got uh, shot and killed uh, three weeks ago. And they had a letdown when they played West Virginia, but they almost won that game. They had some kind of uh, hangover effect and letdown with Cincinnati and almost won that game. And I really think that the, the mourning period, the grief period, the uh, getting back to the uh, nuts and bolts of this team, and really, if you want to send one home for the Gipper, what a better place to do it than beating Notre Dame in their own court. In, on their own field. And I'll tell you right now, I think that is one of the biggest traps. Uh, they think that Notre Dame, they put them at minus six, one touchdown. Are you kidding me? I think UConn wins the game outright. And when you said Jimmy Clausen, if it wasn't for him, there would be no Charlie Weiss. This guy would be gone. And he's going to be gone here in a couple weeks anyway. But, you know, when he got hired, he had uh, Willingham's, uh, or was that who was the coach there? Yeah, Ty Willingham. 
Yeah, Ty Willingham. They had all his recruits, and he did very well with them for the first two years, even though he was screaming, these are not my players. Well, he finally got his own players in there, and you've seen what he's doing. Now, he said this week, and, and uh, I pretty much could quote it, he said, I am not going to address the football team. All right, what does that mean? That means what? He's embarrassed. He doesn't know what to say. He's not a motivator. He doesn't know. He doesn't, well, he followed he doesn't it up know by, what to he say. He said, I'm letting all the senior leadership be the only ones that speak in the locker room, and they better get these guys to play for this week. Well, it might be my contention is if the seniors that are going, how are they going to sell the freshman, sophomore, and juniors on staying around or playing hard? I think what's happening is when the seniors are addressing, they're saying goodbye, don't play too hard, and you can also we'll also take the coach with you. <laughs> hey, my friend, uh, I want to go back to last week. Texas Christian. And I find this very intriguing. They're ranked fourth in the BCS poll, also fourth in the Vegas Sports Consultants uh, ranking. Um, they were up against Utah, ranked 14th in the AP poll, and Utah just got clobbered, just as you told our audience they would. Give us the breakdown of what your whole thought process was about that ballgame. Well, here's what you have to do. You almost have to take the Las Vegas Oddsmakers poll and go side-by-side side with the AP poll. Now, they both had Florida, Texas, Alabama, and TCU in the top four, and there was no discrepancy in that between either poll. But when you got down to the AP poll, they had Utah listed at number 13 or 14, but the Las Vegas oddsmakers had them listed as 33rd, Chet. Now, these guys are putting out numbers for billions of dollars worth of properties here on the Strip, every casino in the state of Nevada, all the offshores that take it, and now anybody that's booking action overseas, and every private bookmaker in the country. They made Utah 33rd because they had no respect. And I talked to Kenny White, and he says, as soon as TCU crushes this team, we won't even have them in our top uh, 50, and which they've taken out. And if you've noticed, they've been dropped down to number 21 uh, in the BCS. Now, what happened? They allowed 500 yards in total offense. They uh, allowed 58 points or something like that. They got completely crushed. Most points allowed, and uh, I can't tell you how long. Uh, it was just a complete slaughter. And what my point is, the odds makers had it right on. Now, when the line came out, there again, they thought, you know what, let's really trap some of these guys. Maybe the line should be 14 or 15, we could get away. They made that line 17, the smart money, like myself and some of the other guys, the wise guys, they immediately took it up to 20 and a half, and I believe it even went to 21. So there were some of us that knew it, but the buyback on that number was from the public because they thought, wow, Here's the number 14 team in the country. All right, they're getting three touchdowns. If my team can score 21 points and I'm getting 21, that's 42. I got a great defense. No one's ever beat us that bad. I think I'll take the plus 21. Bottom line is TCU crushed them, and it was never in doubt. So ultimately, to simplify, for point spread players who are really beginners, who really don't have a feel for what this is all about, tell me about the Las Vegas Ozmakers. Just don't want them to become aware of number one because the odds makers are making a bundle on the public's lack of knowledge. Well, basically it's setting the lines. 
and uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier. When they go to set the lines, it's basically on the perception of what they can get away with based on what they think the public has in their head. It's almost like Cincinnati in the NFL. They're kind of an up-and-coming team. They're a hot team, so mm -hmm. they know they can get away with murder on that team if they can get enough action. So what they've done the first seven, eight weeks, they've kind of had some soft numbers on on uh, Cincinnati. But I think you might have seen the last of the soft numbers because they've won back-to-back home-and-home uh, games against Baltimore, which shows that wasn't a fluke, and they did the same thing. They were getting seven and a half. Here's a team that is uh, undefeated in the toughest division in the NFL, that uh, AFC North. It, they're undefeated, but yet they're getting seven and a half, eight points. Now, they couldn't sell that to the public as well as they're selling this New Orleans Saints team. They're taking a team that should be a seven, eight-point favorite, and they're saying, you know what, let's just make them ten and a half and eleven and see if the public will fall for that. Well, they did that at the uh, St. Louis Rams because, one, everybody loves a big, high-scoring team with a flashy quarterback that mm -hmm. can just put up 14 points in the matter of 90 seconds. So they think that's going to happen every game. And then on the other side, Chet, nobody wants to go around and tell all their friends that they bet St. Louis Rams because they're like the dreck of the, the you know, the lowest of the low. Well, the same thing's going to happen this week. Where's, uh, uh, New Orleans is going down and playing in Tampa Bay. And let me tell you something. They better be careful. Uh, it could be a repeat of last week's game against the Rams and in which they could have lost. Uh, they're on the road. They're favored by 11.5 against the Bucks, And consider that Josh Freeman, their new quarterback for the uh, Buccaneers, he's already knocked off the Packers. They could have defeated the Dolphins. And now they get to play the Saints, who are looking ahead to the following week where mm -hmm. the Saints play New England. How much so, does how much does the look-ahead factor really really mean when you're wagering on a football game? It means a lot depending on who you're playing. It's like Pittsburgh's playing Kansas City. There could be a look-ahead game if the following week they're playing, uh, say, Baltimore. Now, if Pittsburgh was playing Cincinnati and then the following week they were playing Baltimore, there would be absolutely no look-ahead. But anytime you get these teams that have coming off two, three, four, five, six, seven wins in a row, and they're now installed as a double-digit favorite. you got to remember, a double-digit favorite in the NFL is going to win over 70% of the time. Well, a lot of these teams, if you throw out the point spread, they're going to win the game maybe 95% of the time, but just not cover the point spread. So they know what it takes to win, but that doesn't mean they're going to go out and crush. Also, the offensive coordinator. Let's say the players are willing to play real hard. They practiced hard. They did everything to prepare for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're sitting there with the New Orleans Saints as a team. It has nothing to do with the players on the field if the offensive coordinator and the head coach got together and say, hey, here's our game plan for the week. We want to keep it as soft and simple, injury-free. We want to do a little bit more running. We don't want to show any flashy plays. We want to have the receivers run some normal patterns and save everything else for the following week. So when they're out there playing, they're playing 100%. You look and think, hey, this team didn't lay down. But it was the play calling that made the game go and win by six, seven, eight, nine, ten points. There could have been some plays where they were third and eight instead of throwing a 
a screen play or throwing it downfield. Maybe they did a draw play just to practice that, and it only went four yards. Well, they're fine with that, so now they kick a field goal instead of going all out and trying to get the first down or get the touchdown. That's where a lot of the uh, new people don't understand when they go to betting this stuff that these look-ahead games – there's going to be the offensive coordinator keep the play calling very, uh, what I call vanilla, very soft. Harvard Hollis Barnhart, Chet Kopic on this side, brought to you by the marvelous people at uh, Jiffy Lube. You know, I, I got a great kick. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is a longtime buddy, former quarterback with the Bears. Got a big kick out of Stanford, uh, blowing uh, Pete Carroll and USC out of the gym. How much will the odds makers, how much will Kenny White and his, and his group of, of five adjust a line when Stanford is coming off a win, that dynamic, I mean, that that almost historic, for heaven's sakes, over a Pete Carroll coach football team. And then, you know, if you want the cherry on top, they've also beaten Oregon. Well, i tell you what, when you say historic, you're absolutely on target. Out of the 49 games that they've played at the Coliseum with Pete Carroll, his record is 47-2. and two. Guess who are the two losses? Stanford. Stanford twice. Now, when the score was 48 to 21, or I believe, yeah, let's see, 48, uh, yeah, it was 48 to 21. There was like two and a half minutes to go. Harbaugh, they (laughs) send in their team to go for two points. Pete Carroll was going crazy. Now, I don't understand this Pete Carroll, and I love the guy, but how could he bitch about anything like that? This guy is famous for running up the score anytime he can. He's always trying to blow out teams. It's called excessive scoreboard tilting, and if he gets a chance to add to it, he will. Well, this uh, Stanford team goes in there and tries for two. They don't make it. Now, do you think they lay on the ball when it's 48-21? to 21? No, they get the ball right back because Carroll's team's not prepared. They think it's just going to be uh, two minutes and let's get out of here, go into the locker room. No, Stanford gets the ball back, immediately marches downfield, puts another seven on the board, and shoves it right into his face, and that really sent uh, Pete Carroll through the roof. So they beat him 55 to, say, 21, I believe, was the final score. Now, the odds makers, they have... Again, the perception. Everybody in the country saw Stanford beat a mighty USC team on the road. They also remembered a couple weeks ago beating Oregon, and I mean just destroying them. So the perception is everybody thinks that Stanford is a great product, a great team. So we call that the marketplace. The marketplace right now is put on the buy mode for a Stanford game. Well, when the bookmakers know that, the odds makers know that, they sit there and think, okay, Stanford's playing at home. They're playing California. Javad Best is not playing. Stanford just came off two high-profile wins. Let's make them minus seven. Well, is that a trick? Is that a trap? Are they trying to trap you into laying the seven? Or, because how many people are going to take California? Not that many. Well, they don't just shovel free money. So the first thing that handicappers like us do, we're going to try to make a case for taking California plus the seven points. If we can make that case, Chet, through our contacts, through our phone calls, through finding out how the practices went, finding out about injuries, what the game plan is going to be, then we will know which side to take. And that's what we do. We just don't get the lines out on Monday and then wait until Saturday morning and start deciding who we want. We're working all week long trying to find out those answers about why did the odds maker 
only make the line minus seven. The man is the book of knowledge. He is Harvard Hollis Barnhart, brought to you by Jeffy Lou. I'm Chet Kapik. Hey, you point spread players, best of luck this weekend. Join us in seven days to to further your education so that you can take down your man, so that you're not staring at the uh, empty wall. Harvard, take good care of yourself, buddy. Thank you, Chet. See you next week.